Um, as, you're, as you're moving forward, uh, thank you for doing that. I know it's, it's fun, uncomfortable. Um, we are going to give you, uh, we, we're going to have some interaction questions, but also I think, I think this might be a fun one to have them start in groups. Um, uh, and so we will give you a, 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 your first question to, to start off in squares and triangles, uh, fours and threes. Try to get in a little group like that. <laughs> we'll uh, get there. When we get there, I'll <laughs> tell you. I'm just giving, just talking while people are moving. Um, but you want me? To yeah, you want to? Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So we're reaching we're reaching a period in this class that is the most difficult part of the entire class, because the first the first four weeks were like history, and it's and it's much easier for us to kind of deal with history because there's a certain amount of emotional distance that we can create between ourselves and history because. Our initial, our initial thought is, is very rarely, my history has a deep, deep effect on who I am today. And so when we hear painful things about our own history, it's very easy to think, okay, well, that was back then. Now, we're now. Um, but these next few weeks, we're talking about us now. And we're talking about assumptions that we, that, 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 that we have kind of ma just maintained for hundreds of years and not actually interrogated. And so ways that that actually continues to hurt people now as a result of, um, as a result of our history. And, so, um, and so, these, so these kinds of conversations that we're gonna, that we're gonna have over the course of these last, these last few weeks of this class are gonna be, are gonna be uncomfortable. Uh, one of the things that we, that we said in, in kind of our first, in our first few weeks is that um, there's an initial kind of trauma <laughs> of finding out finding out that you're racist. Both of us have experienced this. Both of us have, both of us, I, I, for the, until like three or four years ago, this was something I never wanted to talk about. People kept, I'm, I'm, I feel like I mentioned this in, uh, in, in, the, in the first class. People always drew attention to the fact that I was black. And I was like, yes, I know I'm black. Let's keep, let's keep going with this. Um, but it's in these past few years that I've, kind of, that I've kind of dug into particularly the history and just the way that race works in, in just in our, in our country, but also specifically in the church. Um, it's, re it's reminded me that we, we need to have, we need to have these deeper conversations in order to love, in order to love one another well. Um, and so that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna try to do today. And so if there's, but if there's one thing that we, that I, that I want us all to come away from this class with, it's that if somebody, from your, if somebody from your family asks you, what is racism? I want us to have a cohesive response to that question. And so that's the question that we're going to start in groups, and we're going to talk about it. All right. So find three or four people. Uh, cluster together. We'll give you two minutes to come up with a working definition of what is Racism. Go.
I'll give you one more minute. I know that's not enough time. One minute. All right, let me invite you back. Um, I know that it's not enough time to discuss it, but hope it got the, the pump priming. And uh, if there is someone in your group that feels uh, that you uh, maybe want to nominate, not yourself, but you want to nominate someone else, be a spokesperson, uh, to be able to answer that question for us, let's hear it. Be bold. <laughs> oh, we're, we're getting pointers to Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't hear me. Said uh, one racial group is inferior or superior to another. Good, good. Someone have something uh, like that added onto that, different than that? Ooh, the ir the irrational yeah. belief that my group is superior to your group based on arbitrary traits. Good, good. I like these short. One sentence definitions. I, I, I challenged Malcolm and said, put that in a sentence. <laughs> One sentence. Ooh. That's Ooh. interesting. This is a time when I really wanted a whiteboard to write all of your ideas up here. This is good. So you're writing it down? Uh, sure. Subcon. <laughs> I saw you writing something. <laughs> Pick up groceries. <laughs> Subconscious and what? And visceral. visceral reaction to, to these responses. Great. So it's a, not always a, a, a active uh, response, but sometimes a subconscious response, and it, sometimes it is a visceral response. In the back? So making a, a broad stroke, a grouping of an entire race without knowledge of individuals in it. Okay, so yeah, kind of broad stroking, making uh, these large broad strokes assumptions about certain groups of people. Okay, good. Did you have your hand up?
so you're saying this, this, these, these concepts can't be applied to just like preferential sports team are superior to the others. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because there's a lot of differences between like sports schools and sports schools. You've got like starting with minds and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Ted. That said, power becomes an important question so that you can be able to say that my, my group is more important than yours and I can diminish your group because of that. All right, Malcolm, what did you, what, what, what did you write down? So, I, I, this is one of the, it's, it's a difficult, it, it, it encompasses a number, racism encom encompasses a number of things. Um, but I think this covers a number of the things that it encompasses. Um, Racism encompasses the individual and structural effects of an, of an ideology of racial superiority or racial normativity. Here's what I mean by that. By racial superiority or racial normativity. Um, there's an assumption that uh, what is normal is what is white, basically. Um, there's an assumption, there's just, there's, there's just this kind of assumption, and this, is a, and this is in many ways a cultural assumption, that this is just normal. So for example, um, I, think, I think about this particularly in terms of things like worship in church. Um, there, are things that, uh, there are things that are deemed normal and things that are deemed abnormal. This has been the way throughout kind of the history of the, uh, of the American church. Um, and there have been people who, who, who talk about, for example, uh, I mean, you, if you look at things in like uh, the 18th or 19th century about uh, worship in predominantly African-American churches, uh, it's seen as, quote, overly emotional and all these, all these, <coughs> kinds, of, all these kinds of signifiers um, because the assumption is the way that we do things is the, right, is the only right way to do it. And these others, I mean, they say they're Christian, but they're doing things in a way that's a little different from the way we do it. And so that's wrong. Um, one of the things, one of the, one of the kind of frameworks that I want us to kind of get out of is, is particularly that, uh, uh, that mindset. Things can, things, can look, uh, things can look different and still both be right. But, but, one of the, but one of the things that I think is most important that we emphasize when we talk about racism is that this is not just kind of a one-on, that this is not just kind of a one-on-one, a one-on-one thing. Since this, like, conception of race was created 600, about 600 years ago, um, it was, it, it's, it's been, it's been mobilized, and this is, and this is one of the reasons why we talked about the history, or whether we talked about justifications of slavery, whether we talked about Jim Crow, or lynching, or this, or the civil rights movement, or other things like that, is that one of the issues is that this is much more than just kind of how I treat the individual people that, that I know. Um, this also affects, I mean, a number of the processes that we're, that we're a part of, whether it's, whether it's the political process, whether it's hiring processes, whether it's how we think about worship, um, the theological conclusions we make. Um, 
for, for a lot of American history, a lot of that has been bound, a lot of that has been bound up in our conversations about race. But one of the things that we kind of want to blow open is this idea that, um, that this is just a one-on-one, -on -one, that this is just a one-on-one -on -one thing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, that I um, am coming to emphasize more is that, especially as, as, our web, as our web of influence grows, our conception of our neighbor grows, grows with it. Um, but we don't spend as much time as we ought thinking about how, if my conception of my neighbor is growing, then my conception of loving my neighbor has to grow with it. Um, and so, and so, one of, so one of the things that's, that's guiding us through this class is particularly that, that notion. Um. And um, I would piggyback on what Malcolm said earlier. Um, so when we, when we begin this class, I want to remind us, um, remind us of one of our favorite theologians, Tim Keller, um, and one of his, fav you know, his, his favorite quotes on what the gospel is. And the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are far more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dare hope. And that's a beautiful, beautiful um, summary of the gospel that there's parts of our hearts that we don't know yet, more sinful than we ever dare believe. And so this class is, is trying to go to those blind spots and trying to say, what is it that we might have? And so we want to say we are not having this class to, to make everyone walk away feeling guilty, to feel beat up. This is absolutely not what we want to do. We, we love you. That's why we're having this class. <laughs> but more importantly, Jesus loves you. And he loves sinners. So you, we can say, and I, I, I'll reference you to a, a blog post I wrote maybe like a year or two ago called, I am a racist. It's okay to, to admit that. Because what we're admitting is what you guys have already said. And some of those, thi those, those um, definitions of racism sound like, well, I can't, I can't submit to that because it's, it, is a, uh, it sounds so disgusting to admit that. But if we are able to, if J like Jesus was able to say like, well, committing adultery is one thing, but looking at a woman lustfully is another, and saying, but that's the same thing, we can then say, even these subtle acts, or the subtle word that came out, that we may do actually have roots in racism. And so you can say, I do prefer me. <laughs> I do prefer me all the time. Sin is, is selfishness bent on itself. And so whatever me is, whatever my ethnicity and my culture is, I prefer me. And so we're coming with you. Malcolm said it last week or two weeks ago. He's a racist, <laughs> right? We're, we're all... We're all admitting that it's in our water. <laughs> I mean, we just—it's—it's just—it's the it, the kinds of uh, the kinds of messages that we're constantly bombarded with kind of put us in kind of. <laughs> it's just something that we encounter all the time without w without realizing it in a lot of cases. And I think once we're able to admit that, it frees us to then, uh, like you're on your phone, zoom out, and look at yourself from a bird's eye view, and go like, okay, so what's behind me? What is my blind spot? If I can if I can start there, what what could that be? And so that's where we want to go with this class. Um, but we realize, and uh, the, the writers of this book, which is what we're using as a foundation, this is your first time, you know, I recommend you get this and read this, um, Divided by Faith. Um, but one of the tough things about this is, is that w 
white evangelicals, which are predominantly the group that they, they, they study these churches, 2,500 churches, but white evangelicals have this, these structures in place that make it hard for us to see some of these truths. Um, ways, of, ways of thinking. And yeah. so just like a, a carpenter has a tool belt and he's been asked to go roof, if he has the right tools, he can do it. But if he doesn't have the right tools, he, 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 can't, he can't roof. He can, only, he, he can only do the plumbing if he's only got a wrench, right? And so if, if we don't have the right tools, it becomes difficult for us to, to understand these concepts. And, and one, there's three concepts that the book says that white evangelicals hang on to in their tool belt that make it difficult for us to see. And, and the first one is accountable free will individualism, relationalism, and anti-structuralism. And so what that means is this. Accountable free will individualism means that is that we believe that, that humans are free to make their choices. It's, it's not an argument against the sovereignty of God, okay? We're, we're, we're not saying that. Um, but they believe that if you work hard, you do well. Like, it, you have this free will that if, if, you, if you are a go-getter, you're going to go follow the American dream. And therefore, if you are poor, it's because you are X, Y, Z, lazy? Um, probably some, because of some bad life choices that you made. And so you've heard this before, right? Um, ben Franklin's famous quote, God helps those who help themselves. I think I've heard people say, like, isn't that somewhere in the Bible? No. Nope. Show. <laughs> Show ain't. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> in fact, we should do a series on things that are not in the Bible. Um, <laughs> but um, but the, the thought is just, just pull yourself up by the bootstraps uh, mentality. And so that, you know, what happens there is that if that's true, if everyone's accountable for their actions, and, and, and we, we kind of want to believe that too, right? We want to say like, you know, like our God, uh, there should be just, there should be right and wrong. You may, if you are a sinner, you go before the Lord, you have to answer for your sins. And so like, we're like, yes. But then that, that also applies that, that that means that all of our problems are actually due to kind of bad relationships and things that have happened uh, individually. And so there's that phrase, it's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. Have you heard that? That we can't, we can't reduce these problems to, to skin issues, to racism. We need to reduce them to what people have done, individuals have done. And so the, the reason we have these problems is because of original sin. The reason people get shot has nothing to do with their skin, but sin. And then we find out people try to justify it's the people who've been shot's sin for what they've done. And it's really hard to come up with some justifications of those. But absent from all those accounts is the idea that these poor relationships are actually shaped by social structures, right? That if you were born, up, born and raised in, in some of these social structures, you're, you're, you're shaped by that. Just like all of us have been shaped by the families we've, we've grown up in and the structures we've been, we've been in. Uh, and so, but we find it hard to give credit to that because when we are, as evangelicals, this third point, we are anti-structural because if we believe that structures have that much power on us, then it feels like we're giving people excuses for their sins. We're giving people excuses for where they're at in life, not even sins. And, and so it feels like we're shifting guilt away from people. And so, you know, well, why are they poor? What's wrong with them? 
when someone would say it's, there's some structures that have, have, have limited them from that. And we go, no, 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 I know a lot of people who've gotten them, worked themselves out of, out of, of, out of poverty. Go, okay, we have some examples of some of that, but the mass amounts are not, right? And so this, these three you know, tools in our tool belt make it difficult um, for us to then answer the questions of, of, you know, what's going on? Why is this, there this chasm that we have? Um, one evangelical man said, I believe there are blacks that hold a grudge about slavery still. None of us that are alive today, first of all, were alive then. So don't hold it against me for something that happened years and years ago. A Lutheran woman said, the black race, they need to let go of their roots that their great-great-great-great-grandfather was persecuted as a slave. So be it. That was wrong, but we're living now. A Pentecostal man said, blacks exaggerate the problem. Okay. If we, don't, we aren't able to see some of the structural issues, we have to find out why is it that we're, why are we missing the boat on, on, on what's the real root of the issue? Um, let me give you. Let me give you this example. Um, so, the, the racial inequality is, is there's a there's a big gap in racial inequality. Yes, even today, have we discussed this? Have we said the the gaps of of, of pay of living situations? I think we have, right? Yeah, and we can and we can also point you to other articles and stuff that that'll lay that out too. But so. on average, uh, African Americans have have worse jobs and w lower income and housing than white people, and it's just it's just facts. And so you have to go, okay, so why is that? And they, um, this book, when they researched, they asked these questions and said, do you think these differences are because of one of four options? To pay attention to these, these four options. Because I'm going to ask you then to then dis, dis, decide which ones you, you would, would vote for. The differences are because most blacks have less inborn ability to learn because most blacks just don't have the motivation or willpower to pull themselves up out of poverty, because most blacks don't have the chance for education that it takes to rise out of poverty, or mainly due to discrimination. Can't do that last four. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, did you hear those? What are your thoughts on those options? And, and also, how, would, how do you think people voted? So first one is, is just inborn ability, just black people just have less inborn ability to learn. Second one is that they don't have the willpower or the motivation to lift themselves out of poverty. Third, um, that, they don't have the that they don't have the opportunity for education that it takes to rise out of poverty. Or four, it's largely because of discrimination. Everyone's scared. I don't wanna give the wrong answer. Don't worry, th this is not. We love you. We do. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, mm. Christina, what'd you say? So, so uh, if you didn't hear, she's saying uh, broken families, maybe kind of a, uh, it becomes difficult, single mothers uh, being difficult to raise. 
Um, okay. Um, then the then the rejoin then the rejoinder to that is then um, why is it if we're saying particularly in in African American communities that that's that that's a reality why why might that be why might that be a reality is that a reality because um, is that is that a reality because there's just something about something about black people that creates this kind of atmosphere. Or are there other things going on even even there? This is one of the things that we talk, um, um, this is one, one of the reasons why we encouraged um, uh, 13th as a, uh, as a documentary. It was because uh, one, of the, one of the outcomes of particularly heavily policed um, African-American communities is a, a, a tearing of black, of black men out of their, um, out of their communities, um, and, and disproportionately so. Um, you have in the uh, in the documentary itself. It even talks about this. I mean, specifically the civil rights movement um, and how particularly prominent black male leaders mm. were specifically targeted by like the FBI and police and stuff and, and stuff like that. And so you have just kind of a tearing of leadership out of the out of the community, um, which then leads to. I mean, that has that has effects. Um, but that's but the all. All of that is all of that is kind of bound up in in these things that we're asking too. That's good. That's good. And, I, and there, there's some of that that's um, related to that third option of they because they don't have the chance for education because they've been they've been raised in a in a broken family broken system. Um, but we, as Malcolm's saying, but why? But why? What was your question? Hmm. And, it, and you don't have to choose one. They they were yeah. able, able to vote uh, on on which ones. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> which are your two favorite? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, there there there's some there's some reasons in in, in in some of these that you you can overlap. Um, yes. lack of motivation or willpower because mm -hmm. the American dream kind of influences that. And so what we what they, they saw here is the way people responded were you had two options there that were more individual based that uh, it's because the, these individuals haven't responded to their circumstances well and the other two options three and four so one and two are individual and three and four are are more structural they didn't. They were. They were, They had a, a tougher. Uh, uh, they had no chance for the education to rise out of poverty and mainly due to discrimination. Um, that white evangelicals voted for these two, and you flip it and they asked African American evangelicals, and it was basically the exact opposite. And so we're seeing the world from two different lenses um, because of our toolkit and this deeply held assumption that. Uh, that we all Americans have this equal opportunity, the American dream, that we can all, in effect, someone, one, one of the uh, church members said, they, blacks, have all the opportunities we whites have. If they want to achieve the same level as a white person, they can. And it's this free will individualism, I think this is the most important part of this book. 
I think this is what, what makes this so difficult for us to feel like we're saying the same thing to each other and we're missing each other. That if we can get there's a difference between this free will individualism, this individual way of seeing the world, and this structural way of seeing the world, I think that's going to help us come together and understand uh, the conversations a lot better. But it, the free will individualism requires this belief in an equal opportunity for the world, or the world would be just grossly unfair and unjust. And if that were true, our, our framework for seeing the world just comes crashing down. Because we have, to then, we have to come up with reasons for the disparities that, that are actually existing right now. Because if, if everyone doesn't have an equal chance, we understand why. But if everyone does have an equal chance to rise up, then what are the reasons why? And let me give you some of these responses from, from the church people. A non-denominational woman from Ohio. I think they just don't use their brains. God gave them. One Presbyterian said, the blacks are not willing to accept that to learn correct English is a major step towards advancement in society. A Christian Reformed Church mother said, We have paid their mothers to have their fathers stay away from home. They should get rid of the welfare system. Disregarding the fact in that statement that many more white people are on welfare than, than, than black people are. Um, but it becomes an explanation for a certain kind of behavior when it's put in this when it's put in this racial context. So one of the issues here, and this is a, and this is a biblical and, and, and this is a biblical thing, our our understanding of people's situations is ba is basically practically according to this kind of accountable free will individualism thing, is a focus exclusively on, for example, the framework set in Proverbs, where if you do this, this will happen. These people have done this and those kinds of things. With, a, with, an, with, an almost, with an almost complete pushing to the side of Job, where Job is in a situation where he's suffering and all of his friends are telling him, you're suffering because of your sin. And he's like, no, like that's not what's going on. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is our, our framework of, un, of, of understanding kind of why people are in the positions that they are, that has to be governed by wisdom, which is not just, well, you're in this situation because you did something. We, 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 see the, we, see the kind of we, we see the kind of harm that that can cause, specifically in the book of Job, where this is not, it's not because Job did something. Um, it was, in that case, because, because, God, because God was doing something. But there are also other, I mean, there are, there are other ways to, ex to, to explain particu particular human conditions. And it, and, and it requires us to understand things like history, things like kind of, specifically the way that races function in this country, to understand why particular communities look the way that they do, why they've been uh, maintained in a particular way. Um, it's, it's easier for us, to, for us to think, well, you're suffering because you deserve it, but that's not, we can't, that's, that's, not, that's, not, a, that's not a helpful way for us to just approach all of, all of life. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, I, we've heard this question from the very first class, and we'll probably keep hearing it, and, we're gonna, and we've been in search for this answer, is, well, then, so what? <laughs> what do we do? What, how do we answer the, the questions here? How do we, how do we respond to the, the problems that we have here? And one option that is a very popular one that, I've, you know, that some of you have probably heard, and, and we all kind of believe, in, and it also has some, some truth in it, is... Why can't we be friends? And just sing that all the time. No, it's to, it's to just befriend people of different colors. Which, on the surface, 
or on one level, yes, that is part of it. <laughs> because it, the, the more you are, are friends with, with people of, of different colors, the more you, it actually shows that it affects the way you see the real problem here. But we can't limit it to just that. That is absolutely important. If we don't have people, uh, friends of, of, of color, of different interactions, then we are only seeing the world myopically through our own eyes. And so that's part of it. We need that. But for, for white evangelicals, for us to be able to open our eyes that it, it, there might be some structural issues, we, we, we need to go, we need to have, make those friendships, but go past that. Because the reason we're saying, why can't we just be friends and, and befriend one person at a time is because we are saying that it's just individuals that are making these sinful choices. It's individuals that are doing wrong things versus a whole structure that is, that is at work against here. And so, um, the, the fear many, many people have is if we, if we start boosting the conversations to talk about structures, then we're going to go towards, we're just giving handouts. Right, we're we're just we're just we're just we're just we're, we're uh, um, when helping hurts, which is a fantastic book, and I and I approve and, and, and push to you. Um, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, what we're talking about here, there, there, there's another time for you guys to have a discussion. How should we work against racism? They asked this group. They asked they asked they asked all these churches. Is this a top priority that we should ask for, that we should be working against racism? And the top 80% that said, yes, it is a top priority. This is how those answered the question, um, or had these questions. And they give them the four options again. Let me give you this. How should we work against racism? Should we try to get to know people of another race? Work against discrimination in the market, job market and legal system. Work to racially integrate congregations and work to racially integrate residential neighborhoods. And all of these are yes or no. So you could do yes or no for any, for any one or all of them. Uh, there you go. So not only one answer is right here. Um, and so what is the most important? And they, and they graded it by kind of percentage. Who, who voted here and there? Um, and I'll ask you in our short time here, what did you think people voted? Not necessarily what you were voting. What did you think the people they asked voted? Try to get to know people of another race, work against discrimination in the job market and legal system, work to racially integrate congregations, and work to racially integrate residential neighborhoods. What was the top one, you think? Try to get to know other people. It's that individualism. That's how, that's how we work. We work on this individual level. And so, which is important. It's part of the process. What else? What, what do you think is the least important one for them? It was in that order. So 90% said to know people of another race. 83%, which is still pretty high, work against discrimination in the job market. 58% work against uh, work to racially integrate congregations, and 38% work to uh, racially integrate neighborhoods. That was the most 38%. That was the most tough one for people to understand because they're saying you're forcing people to live together. It goes against your free will. Uh, <laughs> but. The, but the, the reason I think that they said that the works to racially integrate congregations was so high at 58% was because those that, that, that said that had the understanding that they want people to come to our church. So we want, we want, we want to be more diverse. We would love for people to come to our church. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's not even on the radar to go join a diverse church or to go join a, a homogeneous church that's different than your, your ethnicity. And so that, that, that is, it's very important for us that it's not even on our radars at times. Um, This was posed to those that said it's a priority to work against racism. That said, like, is it a priority that the church should be working against racism? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think it's so fascinating that they did have this, that it was the people that are champion, we should be fighting against racism, and then they had that kind of reverse order that if and when they asked the uh, the African Americans, it was a flip again where it was the priorities were were completely flipped. Um and so I think it shows a there's this spectrum of growth. We said this I think from the beginning that we think we understand the problem, but we only understand the tip of the iceberg. It's just like you understand your sin. I only understand, I, only, I think I understood it, but I only understand the tip of the iceberg, and the, and the iceberg goes so deep. The problem is so big. <laughs> that we're, 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 and so we're on this spectrum of understanding and learning. And so that's what's beautiful about this, is that we can walk through this together in grace and just have these conversations so you're free to, to mess up um, <laughs> and to... to not understand it all fully right now. Um, but I love that um, what, 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 the, what this, what's so difficult about this idea that, it is a, that we are constrained by this structuralism by, or by this free will accountability, what's so difficult for us is that it's like this. And there's this example by um, Stokely Carmichael, who is the, the leader of the um, Black Power Movement. Um, is that your, our cultural tools only point us to one dimension of the, of the problem. And so it is one dimension. Our cultural tools say it is a relational problem. It is that, that but it's, it's only one dimension. And, and, and Stokely Carmichael said this, if the building is on the verge of collapse due to an inadequate design, improving the quality of bricks without improving the design is not a solution. And I feel like that's, that in a nutshell is capturing what we've been talking about these last... 40 minutes, that we are talking about typically trying to improve bricks and saying one-on-one, why can't we be friends, when the design, there's a huge design flaw going on, that we then say, something bigger needs to happen there, and more revolutionary, which is the second reason that it's it's so difficult for, uh, for us to overcome this, is because it means something radical has to change, like this is not just like, Kind of like that, that example that was uh, earlier in there. Like, just saying sorry is, is one thing, but just like my kids, sorry hit you. They're going to hit him again. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to punch him in the face, <laughs> right? It's, sorry got, is, is part of it. Repentance is part of it, but then, but then repentance also has, an, uh, has a response to that. Of, of, of Then there's a making things right, just doing, doing justice. Yeah. Back here.
Yeah, yeah, so if you... And so, so the, the, if you didn't get to hear her, she's saying uh, she feels like it should be an a, a individual decision to love my neighbor and to integrate um, uh, neighborhoods and things like that. Because if we force that, it's not going to, you're, you're not actually accomplishing the, the end result of act, people actually loving one another. You're forcing them, and it's like they're begrudgingly living next to one another. This and is an interesting, it's an, it's an interesting thing because, um, so in that, um, uh, case reparations article, you saw kind of the history of particularly red, redlining. Um, and it's interesting to look at kind of the creation of communities um, in many ways along, uh, along, racial, along racial boundaries where you have, you know, legal situations that, that basically create the situation that if I, you know, if, if, if Desiree and I were to move into a particular um, all-white all all white neighborhood, if we were to do this, especially like 30 or 40 years ago, it would immediately drop the property value of that, of that neighborhood. And so people saying that, like people saying, we don't want black people to move here because it'll change the property value. Like, that's actually just true. But the fact that it's true is a problem. And so, and so, and so, so there, so there, so, and, 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 and so in that, there's not, like no one is, uh, I mean, <laughs> black people are not physically coerced and kept, and kept from these neighborhoods in a sense. But they are also in a sense because you have, because you have you're, because, because we're dealing with, we're always dealing with issues of self-interest. And, and for that particular neighborhood, it's in their, it's in their interest to keep their, you know, to keep, their, to keep their property values high. And so they're going to kind of erect more of these, more of these barriers. And so, um, and so this is one of the things that will, uh, you know, suggest in the weeks coming forward, but thinking, but one of the ways, uh, I mean, one of the main ways for us to continue to battle this kind of thing is to seek, is to, is to seek out those barriers and seek the breaking down of those, of those barriers. But it's, it is going to take encouragement beyond that because inertia, I mean, inertia is one of our biggest, is one of our biggest issues that this is just kind of the way that things have been, and so we just want to kind of continue along, along, that, along that path. Um, and so, uh, so I, you know, none, none, none of us are, 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 we're not advocating for coercion of any way, uh, 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 in any form, but we are uh, encouraging particular courses of action. Julie, you had a question? How to avoid it? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Ruined, yeah. you ruined it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is something yeah. Chris and I are thinking heavily through because that's what we're doing. Um, and our big fear is that we, we'd be a part of gentrification. Um, and so that was her question, if you didn't hear, is how do you not then, if you are making steps towards reconciliation, do you um, actually be a part of the problem? Uh, and I, I'll, I'll point you all to a guy named John Perkins. Um, who I referenced last week, who is a, um, a um, civil rights leader and, and still alive today, marched with Martin Luther King Jr. He's written great books, uh, Let Justice Roll Down, um, Dream With Me. 
but one of his 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 um, frameworks for seeing this is um, he, he calls it the three R's. Uh, uh, I'm giving you, maybe I shouldn't give this yet. Uh, this might be the answer for in two weeks. <laughs> What's the response? <laughs> I won't give you that. I'll give you his, uh, <laughs> crap, you're going to go research it. He's like, I know the answer. <laughs> um, but his answer for how do we not be a part, how, how do you do that? Because he is encouraging that. How do you do that without gentrifying the area? And he says it all comes down to motive. Are you there to take from the area and say, sweet, um, low, low, uh, low taxes. I'm just gonna, uh, uh, I'm just gonna do this without regard for this area. And, and businesses coming in and, and selling things at exorbitant prices so that no one in the area can actually buy from it. Um, and so the, the the thing is comes down to motive. Are you there to take from the area or to love the area? And it, it, it becomes tough because and Keller says this as well. Anytime you go into a, a community and you actually start loving it and working in it and and and, and you're improving it, and then therefore people want to live there, and it's gonna raise the values. And so it, it comes down to motive of, of just becoming this cool hipster neighborhood or becoming uh, an area of reconciliation. And if that's and if that's the move, I mean, when you love those people and then notice, if you start to see that people are starting to be pushed out, pushed out of neighborhoods and stuff like that, you can fight for them like that. That does actually mean something when you stand up on, on people's behalf, specifically in that kind of situation. Um, it's, it's true in, you know, it's true, it's true in schools when you have, you know, when you have, when you have parents that are, that are noticing that particular children are not, aren't, aren't being served in the classroom, and you have parents who are speaking up not only on behalf of their children, but also thinking of, also thinking of the other children in those, uh, in those, in those schools. Um, it takes, I said, it takes us thinking about more than just, well, you know, I'm going to do, it's very important for us to do kind of what's good for our families and those kinds of things. But as, as believers, as believers in Christ, our family is not the only, our family is not the only body of people who matter. Um, the body of Christ matters, but we also, but, but we also care about and love the human family as our, as our neighbors. Um, and so that, and but but kind of but making that making that step is sometimes a difficult step to make when we're culturally told, well, it's like well, just do what's best for you, do all this work so that you can um, do what's best for your family and your kids can grow up and have the same opportunities that you had, and then and and you just can and you just continue and you just continue along those lines. Those are those are not bad. Those are not bad things. Um, but there is more. But there is more to life. There is more to living the life. I mean using and making use of the of the gifts that the Lord has the Lord has given us because everything that we enjoy is a gift of his grace and 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 but for but but for us to kind of keep those gifts of our those gifts of God's grace limited to just you know me and my family um that that also that also cheapens it to a certain extent so one of the goals of this class is for us to widen that all right we are are over but I want to re-answer is she leave Naomi (laughs) I was going to re-answer that question in this um that this doesn't apply directly here, but um, uh, I asked someone, so what, what are you doing to, to make your church multi-ethnic? And he says, you can't make your church multi-ethnic, um, but you can make it not multi-ethnic. Um, and so he's saying, you can, you can have systems in place that keep people from out. And so applying to the neighborhoods, you can have things in place that keep people from, from becoming diverse. Um, but you can also put things in place 
that would allow it so that people can choose and go, yes, that's great, let's, let's make this happen. And so I think that's, we wanna work against those systems. And then lastly, to, to sum up today's class, is uh, from the article um, from Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, this great quote, it's the same thing that Perkins was saying when he talked about the baseball illustration of uh, having the cheating team. Uh, and he says, it's as though we have run up a credit card bill and have pledged to charge no more, remain befuddled that the, and remain befuddled that the balance does not disappear. The effects of that balance and interest are accruing daily are all around us. And so with that illustration, the baseball illustration, the building design not being, you know, with the, just one brick by one is not, a, is not gonna be enough to just say, why can't we be, why can't we be friends? It needs to be something a little bit bigger. So that, why can't we be friends is not the answer, and so we'll look for it next week and maybe the miracle motif. We'll find yep. out what that is. Uh, God bless. Last, last thing, if you guys have any questions about anything that we said, or things that you don't understand, or stuff like that, like text or email, text or email us. We will be glad, 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 glad to talk to you. Like I said, this is, we're doing this because we love, because we love the people of God, and we want to see us, I mean, love one another well and wisely. So please, so please reach out to us. Don't, don't sit and be, and just be confused and things like, like talk to us, please. Amen. Please, please, please. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank y'all.